All right, good evening, everybody. It's great to have you here tonight. Um, I, again, I, I prayed over this message beforehand tonight because this message tonight, I'll get into in a minute, but I believe God's ready to take us and you individually to another level. And tonight's message, I'm just going to give you a preview. The title of tonight's message is Bold. By the end of tonight, I am going to challenge you to become bold in your faith. And I'm going to give you some examples of boldness tonight. And, and where that takes us, our prayer tonight is that when you leave here, you leave stronger than what you came in with because you experienced Jesus. But tonight, I want to lay a foundation of what does it mean to be bold? How many of you guys would love to be more bold with your faith? Yeah, we're all honest. We all, we, we all can be. We all can be. Now, here, here is the warning sign to this. There is a difference between boldness and arrogance. Boldness will draw people to Christ when it's Holy Spirit bold. Arrogance will drive people awake because it's religious rules. And so we want to learn how to be biblically bold in our faith. You know, I, I joke with people that within five minutes when we're talking, you're going to hear about Jesus. And the crux of this message is, is to understand that, guess what? It's not me sharing Jesus. It's the fact I've spent time with Jesus, so I've become bold to share it. And so by the end of this message tonight, it's not, there's not a lot to this. There's not a lot. I mean, I'm going to share a bunch of stuff, but there's not a lot to it. You want to be bold in your faith? Spend more time with Jesus. That's how you become bold. Because as, as we learn here and as we're going through the book of Acts, if you, and again, go to the book of Acts if you want to. We're going to look into Acts 4 tonight is where we're going to read some of it. But when you, when you look in the book of Acts, remember, Acts was written by Luke. Who, was, who, who wrote the book of Luke, and then he covers some of the highlights and, and some of the, the founding of the New Testament church and New Testament believers and, and how they lived their life. I've heard a lot of people say, I would love to have an Acts-style church. I would love to have a New Testament church. No, most people wouldn't because they all got killed. But what did they have that we're missing? They had a boldness of faith. Nothing was going to deter them from the faith they had in Jesus. See, the, the book of Acts, when you read it, the theme of the book of Acts is all about boldness. It was all about stepping out of our comfort zones. It was all about turning from what we thought we knew. But if you look at, at the results of the boldness that they had in the book of Acts, you see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle happen because they took a bold step of faith. They stepped out and said, guess what? I serve the God of the universe. They, you don't read in the book of Acts anywhere. God, protect us. Keep us safe. Keep our children safe. Nowhere do you see them. In fact, they got told never to speak the name of Jesus again or they'd be beat. And what did they do? They went and prayed for more boldness. Said, nah, Jesus, don't keep us safe. Put us in the fire so we can testify to your greatness. They, they, I mean, they, they whined on the boat before Jesus, before the Holy Spirit came. They whined on the boat. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? The boat's going to sink. And Jesus like, seriously, you have a little faith. Be still. I'm going back to bed. Um, I mean, but when the Holy Spirit came, that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. 
Jesus said, the things I have done, you're going to do them. Greater things than I have done, you're going to do. Now, there's a debate on what that looks like, and I'm not going to get into that debate tonight. But we all have established the fact that we want to be more bold in our faith, so how does that look, and what does that look like? We don't see the Acts type of miracles in our world today because we are too smart. We don't just say, go, God is yours. I trust you, God, more with this than with, it, than with me with it. See, bold actions of the early church led early followers to spiritual results of boldness. Remember, we talked about a few weeks ago in our last series, sometimes God loves to show up and sometimes God loves to show off. Are we allowing God to show off? Or do we keep him in our little box? Of God, let me get all this in a row first. God, let me get this all figured out. God, do I have enough money in the bank to do this? When God is calling you to do it, he will give you the provisions to do it. But you got to take a bold step of faith first because he's not going to show up just because. And tonight, I guarantee, I will get challenged on this very message because that's what God does. He said, do you really believe what you just preached tonight? Are you going to take a step? Are you going to become bold? If you look at a definition of boldness, it's a behavior that's born out of belief, is how one person explained it. Because if you think about, think about it this way, what you believe will determine how you behave. Now this isn't mind transformation thought process. This is surrendering to the Holy Spirit. So remember Romans 12, don't be, you know, renew your mind, he says. So we renew our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that changes how we behave because how we think now changes because we have a bigger view of God. Because if you believe people are going to criticize you, you're going to act timidly. If you're afraid they're going to say something that you're not doing right, you may not step out and try it. If you believe people aren't going to like you, you'll pull away and you won't say much in a crowd. Because what are they going to think about me? See, if, if you believe you're going to fail... Most times you won't even start. As Henry Ford said, if you believe you can and you believe you can't, you're both right. I've said it before, and I, I truly try to live this way, that I live in a what if God wants to do something great. Not if, what if this happens. Because if that happens, I'll deal with it. But what if I miss out on what God wants because I was too scared to even try? See, we have to get the boldness of understanding that it's not us and it's, we're not, the results aren't up to us, they're up to God. And do we trust God with our lives? Do we trust God with our families? Do we trust God with our finances? Do we trust God with the plans he has for our lives? Or do we have to have a semblance of control over it and say, no, this is about me, this is what I want to do. I don't have all this figured out yet, God, so I can't give this to you yet. Wait till I figure this all out. We could do that with our building. We could say, God, until we have enough money in the bank and until we have all this figured out, until we do all this, we aren't going to do anything with it because we don't have it figured out. Or we can say, guess what, guess what, God? We are going to put in the work. We're going to work like it depends on us and pray like it depends on you and you get the results. Because when we take a bold step of faith, God can show off and he gets all the glory. 
If I raise all the money for it and I have all the money for it, guess what? God's nowhere in the equation. And I want God in all the equation. Boldness in the Greek definition means more than just speaking. It means outspokenness. It means assurance. It means courage. It means confidence. It means to act without fear. Most Christians today, and in fact, if you look up statistics, I don't, I, I don't remember what they are off the top of my head, so I'm not going to misquote it, but most Christians have never shared their faith with anyone. Why? Because they're afraid of what, they're, what they might say. I'm afraid of what they might say too. I don't want them going to hell. See, I want to depopulate hell and populate heaven. That's, that's my job. And not to make friends and influence people. And not to make sure everybody's happy. It's to share the love of God that's, that's just blessed by the Holy Spirit that will draw people to Jesus if I can get out the way. My prayer through these messages is that as we become bold in our faith, we'll become bold in our obedience to God, we'll become bolder in our prayer life, and we'll get desperate to see God move. We'll get desperate and pray dangerous prayers that will change lives. But it starts with us becoming bold and willing to share our faith, to pray for our friends, and to live generously. All of this starts with us. If you look at a guy named Peter in the Bible, and I'm sure some of you, if you've read your Bible, you've heard about him. <laughs> when you read about, about Peter, there are a lot of times before the resurrection where he spoke big and acted timidly. I mean, at one time, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, to him. Most days, that's what I feel like. <laughs> to be honest. You see, Peter had bold intentions, but he followed them with timid actions. Remember, Peter at the Last Supper said, even if all these losers turn their backs on you, I never will. I'll, I'll die with you, Jesus, before I let anything happen to you. That's what came out of his mouth. And that's why I say we got to be careful that we're not boldly talking with our mouth, but we're letting the Holy Spirit talk through our heart. Because what happened with Peter after he said that? He denied Jesus three times, once to a little schoolgirl. But I'll die for you, Jesus. Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. No, I don't know him. Uh-uh, you're mistaken. I have no idea who that guy is. We see his actions not match his words. And I think that happens a lot in the church today. We say a lot of the right things in church, and then as soon as we walk out the door, it's like we forgot everything we just said, and we start acting like the rest of the world. You want to change the world? Start reflecting the kingdom that they want to see. See, I believe the world is looking, culture is looking for Jesus. I believe right now with everything going on, people want Jesus. They want hope. They want something they can hold on to. They don't want religion. They want Jesus. But if you're not willing to share it with them, where are they going to hear it? See, I can't do it. I can't do it all. 
That's not my job. My job is to watch my bobber to run my race, share with who God puts in my place. It's your job to affect your situations, your jobs, your, your, your circle of influence. But what we see happen to Peter, I hope happens to each one of you. I hope it happens to you and to me. Because if you read in John 21, Peter encounters the risen Jesus. Peter jumps out the boat and swims to see Jesus at the shore. Peter comes up to Jesus, and what does Jesus do to him? Does he remind him that he denied him three times? Does he remind him that he sinned last night? What does he tell him? Do you love me? You're forgiven. He says, you're still on the team. I haven't forgot you. I haven't forsaken you. Yes, you stumbled. Yes, you fallen. And that's all of us. And Jesus is still sitting there saying, guess what? Sit down around the fire. Let's have some breakfast. Apparently a fish. He's, Peter encounters the risen Lord. And Jesus looks at him and said, even with all your shortcomings, go and take care of my sheep. And that's what he's telling each and every one of us. You've been forgiven. When you came to the cross of Christ, you've been forgiven. He said, the old have passed away and all things have become new. What happened yesterday doesn't matter today. The result of that encounter with Jesus is Peter went from being timid and not many days later, he stood before a large group of people and preached one of the boldest messages in history. And 3,000 people were saved. When Peter spoke with his own mouth, his own fleshly intentions, he became timid with his actions. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him on the day of Pentecost, and we talked about the Holy Spirit last week, when we trust the Holy Spirit, we see it. We see in verse 36 where he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? See, we're afraid of offending people. Peter stands up there with the power of the Holy Spirit and says, You guys crucified this guy? He's raised from the dead. He wants to give you life. What do we got to do? That's all I want to know. But see, we're afraid that's going to offend somebody and we don't want to tell them that. But when it's led by the Holy Spirit, it looks like people come. Because Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I will not be doing that tonight, so it's all good. Strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Good golly, do we need that in the church today. Stop thinking the world has something to offer you. It don't. This, those words should be, I might plaster those on the tent when we move outside. We'll get upset, all kinds of people upset. 
Save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized, and now the church that day, about 3,000 people were added. We see Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, as they're walking in to pray, because guess what? They still went every day to pray, apparently. They were saved. They, met, they knew Jesus. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they still need to know they needed to pray every day. So they're walking in. They see this blind beggar sitting there. He's like, hey, give me some money. And they're like, hey, we got none, but stand up in the name of Jesus. When's the last time you were bold enough to do somebody like that? Walk up somebody in a wheelchair. I ain't got nothing, but Jesus says you need to be healed today. Stand up. I see your faces. I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that opportunity, and I feel the same way. Have I seen it happen? Yes. Have I seen people get up out of wheelchairs and walk? Yes. I have. But I'm not doing it for a show. When I go to pray for somebody, it's not about a show. It's not about what can Gene do. It's not about what can Gene pray. Can Gene say the right thing? It's about can God get the glory, and can I get out the way? Because when they did it, what happened? And if you go in your Bible to Acts 4, sorry, I never told you what chapter we were going to, so I want to see if you guys got there. You can turn your Bibles on if you have them with you. And you look at verse 1, we're going to see what happens because of boldness. Because this is really exciting. This is where the fun stuff comes in. Peter, John, they're bold, they're preaching, they're seeing people saved, they're seeing things go on. And it says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guards and Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day. So for your boldness, you're going to get tossed in jail. Do you see him whine about it? We see later on, Paul saying, I am a prisoner in chains for Jesus. And because of this, people are getting saved. You're worried about somebody not liking you. The New Testament church had to worry about being beheaded, arrested, beaten, stoned, apparently tossed in boiling oil if you were John, martyred, hung on a cross. And so it says, but many of those who had heard the message believed in the number of the men to be about 5,000 more now. So the first day they got 3,000. Now they got another 5,000. You think we got a building issue. And on the next day, their rulers and elders and the scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power and in what name have you done this? And this is the key verse where, where our boldness comes from. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we were on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He was the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved. See, we can't undersell the boldness of that statement that Peter made right there. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had the ability to kill Peter right there. 
And what does Peter do? He said, you killed him, but he's back. Now, you have to understand, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. He was declaring war on the religious establishment of the day, basically what Peter was doing at that time. He said, you killed him, he's back, and ain't no other name. You rejected him. Y'all worried about your friends looking at you weird. He's looking at his leaders of the day and saying, no, what you did was wrong. This is who this man was. But it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if I was to do that with my words, I'd have been beat down right there because it was a fleshly boldness that was arrogance. It wasn't a boldness filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you think about it, 2,000 years ago, the name of Jesus was calling, causing problems. 2,000 plus years later, the name of Jesus is still causing problems. I have a friend of mine who was a pastor. He was going to lead over, or go pray over, some, over a, a meeting. <laughs> and they basically told him, you can, pray in any you can pray any way you want. He's like, okay, I can pray any way. You know, trying to work it out, make sure it was going to all be good. Yes, you can pray in any way. You can pray in the name of God. You can pray in the name of Yahweh. You can pray in the name of Allah. You can pray in the name of this. But you cannot pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because people, religious or not, know Jesus changes things. 2,000 plus years later, people are still saying, don't say the name of Jesus. As you read in verse 13 what we, what we did there, and this is really where I want to kind of just concentrate the last few minutes on. It says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Now, if you want to know what these uneducated means, it means these guys were idiots. That's, that's the Greek word for it. Idiotas. That's what the word is. So these guys are looking at them and saying, these guys are idiots. But they're speaking with power, and they've been with Jesus. See, Jesus, God loves, he just loves to give ordinary people extraordinary boldness. You think you ain't good enough? Perfect. You are right where God needs you. It says in the Bible, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I love that verse because it gives me hope every day. Because I am one of the foolish things of this world. But God can use me if I'm surrendered to him. See, it's not about how much Bible I know. In fact, I know a lot of people who, who know a, a ton more about this than I do. And some of them have stepped away from their faith because they had a lot of knowledge but had no experience with the risen Savior. We have to remember the New Testament church had oral traditions. They didn't have 66 books that were canonized. We find God in his word. We experience him when we pray, when we read, when we get around other people. We have to experience God. Because here's the deal. 
God will take you right where you're at. He'll take those people who have, other people have overlooked and he will give you a boldness you never knew you had because you're spending time with him and you're putting your faith in him. Now, now tonight, and, and a lot of you, I'm sure, would agree with this statement. How many of you guys are naturally a bold person? So none of you guys just like going up and just talking to strangers and sharing your opinions about stuff. Okay, we got one. How many of you guys use that excuse of saying, I don't know enough about the Bible to talk with people about Jesus? How many of you guys internal that one, internalize that one? Or how about I'm not a pastor and I'm not a teacher, so I'm just not, I, 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 can't, I don't know what to say, so I just don't want to share it with them because I'm, I'm afraid of sounding stupid. See, boldness isn't natural. Sharing your faith isn't a natural thing. Standing up here preaching this stuff is not natural. Trust me. I still get nervous every Sunday before I come up here. Why? Because I don't want to screw nothing up. Because this is God's word. And I want to see people meet Jesus. That's it. And so we, we got to stop using the excuses of, guess what, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Guess what, well, I, I'm just this, well, I'm just that, well, I'm just not good enough, or I'm just not pretty enough, or I'm just, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny. Whatever excuse you come up with because you're afraid of what other people are going to think, guess what, that fear of what other people think disappears when you spend time with Jesus because he reminds you who you are and you're his. See, you want, and some of you guys may be bold and not even know it. How many of you guys have ever been at work and been around people who have just been gossiping about stuff? It's probably more towards women because guys don't gossip a whole ton. <laughs> How many of you walked away from that? That's being bold. Because guess what? The normal thing says stay there and gossip right with everyone else. How many of you, if you're, how many of you, and this, this happened at, at when I was still working at the hospital. Sitting around, and all of a sudden, you know, guys start coarse jesting about their wives and, and talking about their wives, or, or women are talking about their husbands, and they're just laughing and joking. And I actually, at that point, said, Nah, that's enough. I'm done. I'm out of here. I don't joke about my wife. She is my girlfriend. There is nobody else I want to talk about. And I walked away. See, we have to do that because that's being bold for Christ. We've been given one spouse. And that's it. Just because I'm on a diet doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. Yeah, it does. Jesus puts you on a diet. For me, it's the Christie diet. And it gives me everything I need. Because the other issue with that is, is if I am willing to look at another, for me, if I'm willing to look at another women, woman, it minimizes my love for my wife. That's enough of that. I'll kick off on the marriage thing. Okay. How about prom was just going on in a lot of schools? And this is from someone else, and I'm like, this is a perfect time of year to do this. Women today dress <clears throat> provocatively, let's say that. I gotta say something else. What if I'm a young woman who loves Jesus? and I choose not to dress that way because I love him more than I love what other people think. That's being bold for your faith. 
you know, in, in uh, what he had talked about, he said women today basically dress like hookers. Look at the influencers on, look at what our kids are looking at on the internet today. I'm sorry, I want nothing to do with that for my daughters. If I had young daughters today, oh my goodness, I'd lose my religion really quickly. <laughs> the last one, if you say you own a business, say, say you work for a business. How, how many of you people have ever gone to work and said, hey, there's a ream of paper here, I'm just going to take it home because I deserve it? Okay, maybe it's just me that knows some of them people. But how about if you say, no, it's not mine, I'm not going to take it, this business deal doesn't feel right, what's going on doesn't feel right, I'm willing to walk away and leave the money on the table because my relationship with God means more to me and ethics means more to me than this does. That's being bold for Jesus. Because here's the deal, being bold isn't normal. Being bold isn't what we're really looking for because if we're not careful, we can come across cocky and arrogant. The boldness we are looking for is that we share our boldness and take a stand and live differently. It's not because of anything we are doing, but because like Peter, it's because we've spent time with Jesus. Because if you look at verse 13 again and we break it down, it says when we spend time with Jesus, it'll lead to faith. And when our faith grows, we become more bold. And when our boldness changes, we see results. And when we see results, what happens? We go back to spend more time with Jesus. And then what happens? Our faith grows a little bit more. And then what happens? We become a little more bold. And then what happens? We start to see more results. And then what happens? We start all over. It's an unending cycle. But you've got to start the cycle with meeting with Jesus and then taking the step of faith. Stepping out and showing some boldness. Saying no when you don't want to. When everything inside you, your ego and everything else is screaming, go ahead and do it. You're like, uh-uh, I love God more than I love this. I love my family more than I love this. I love my wife more than I love this. I love my kids more than I love this. I love God more than I love this. you got to start getting bold with your faith and say enough is enough. I'm not playing games because the enemy is better at that game than you are. He's been doing it a lot longer. Because here's the problem. The opposite is true as well. When you don't spend time with Jesus, you won't have faith, you won't have boldness, and you won't see results. And all of a sudden you become religious and you start turning people off. So as we spend time with Jesus, and as you spend time with Jesus, you'll start to believe you can make a difference. Not because you can make a difference, but because you spent time with Jesus. Do you see the, under, the overriding theme here? Spend time with Jesus. You want to be bold? Spend time with Jesus. You want more boldness? Spend time with Jesus. You want to see things change? Spend time with Jesus. You want a better marriage? Spend time with Jesus. You want to see your family, you want to raise your family better? Spend time with Jesus. You want to see business flourish? Spend time with Jesus. Why? Because God cares about your business more than you do. God cares about your kids more than you do. God cares about your marriage more than you do. God cares about your job more than you do. It says, seek his kingdom first and everything else will be added unto it. Spend time with Jesus. Because he'll grow your faith. And my prayer for us as a church is I refuse to be a half-hearted, lukewarm church. I'm sick of playing Christianity. 
I'm sick of churches playing Sunday mornings, Saturday nights, Wednesdays, whenever they meet. I want to see the Jesus of the New Testament move. And it happens when we spend time with him, when we get back on our knees and pray, when we seek his face. See, let's just be who God called us to be. Let's just fall in love with Jesus. Let's let people see us so overflowing with Jesus and the spiritual boldness that comes from spending time with him that the compassion to help people becomes who we are. It's, it's not what we do, it's who we are. I was talking to somebody on the phone this week, and they were like, thank you for just answering the phone and spending time and talking to me and listening to all my problems. I'm like, you need to understand one thing. Yes, I'm a pastor, but I've got big shoulders, good ears, and this is who I am. I love to help people through their issues because I know the answer, and it's Jesus. It's not me. And so, tonight as we wrap up, I want you to spend some time praying for boldness and, and strap it up. Because God says when you ask, he'll give it to you. And he will put somebody in your path. Do you really believe that prayer you just prayed tonight that you want to be bold? God wants to take us all to another level.